message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Good morning. Thank you to the team. I have a lot of stuff this morning and um, they're awesome. Good morning. How are you guys doing? It is good to see you guys. Welcome to our online audience, those here with us, our Northwest campus, our Tehachapi campus. We have a joke, we joke around in our house that we get up in the morning and we're like church hoppers. We're like, which church are we going to go to? Are we going to go to main campus or are we going to go to Northwest campus? And uh, last week we decided to go to Northwest campus. And it's amazing to me how all of our campuses at VBF have different vibes and different crowds, but it still feels so all VBF. So someone once told me that VBF stood for very big family and I thought, it's so true, right? I love all of our campuses, and so we welcome everybody joining us and all of your beautiful faces this morning. My name is Nicole. Have you guys been enjoying Pastor Ron's last three messages? They have been so good. Last weekend when he said, hey, uh, do you want to cover next weekend? And I thought, I have been thinking about the potter and the clay through all of Pastor Ron's last three messages as he talked about Jesus being Lord and Jesus being Savior and then Jesus bring purpose to our life. And so I felt like that was exactly what God wanted me to bring to you this morning. And I ran to my pastor on. He's like, yes, go for it. And so that's what we're going to be discussing this morning. I think it's interesting to me when I look at patterns in the scripture. Being a mom, a lot of times when I say something over and over and over, it's usually because it's really something I want my kids to understand. Because it even follows usually with, don't make me say it again, or you know what I'm going to say. And I look at that as God the Father, there's so many times in the Bible when we see something listed over and over and over, and we have to ask the question, what is the lesson you really, really want me to understand? And when I look at the scriptures, we see the potter and the clay all throughout the Bible. Everywhere, God is represented as the potter, and we, humanity, represented as the clay. And so there's this idea of, Lord, what are you trying to say? The verses that we're going to go through today are just a small percentage of the times it's even listed in the Bible. And so one thing about the scriptures that I find interesting, I love to understand them, and I've got my master's in theological studies really just because I wanted to really understand this book. And I realized the more I dug into it, the more it wasn't complicated, but it was complex. And we're going to talk about that today. It's like there's these spider webs that go throughout the Bible, and it all kind of keeps being brought into one thing. But things reach out to other things in the Bible. It's complex, but it's not complicated. You see, God tries to keep it as simple as he can. And when all these illustrations with the potter and the clay that we see in the scriptures, this would have been something that the people in biblical times completely understood. They would have all been a potter to some extent. Everything had to do with clay. You couldn't drink or eat your plates, your cups, your pitchers, even some of your working tools. They were all made out of clay. 
and everybody had to be a potter to a certain extent. Now, there was still the potter in the potter's house where they would have the things made. Think of it like the wild, wild west, right? We've watched enough of those shows. Not that any of us probably lived through that, but we've watched enough of those shows to know you went to the general store for your specialized cowboy hat or piece of clothing, but your general like day in, day out pieces of clothing, everybody had to be a seamstress. Everybody had to know how to make their own average clothing. That is how it was with clay during biblical times. Everybody knew how to make clay, how to use clay to make their basic living essentials that they needed, and they would go to the potter for the more extreme things that they wouldn't be able to personally make themselves. So when Jesus and when God, they talk about clay all throughout the scriptures, the people would understand it. They would know because everyone had to be a potter. Isaiah 64, 8 says, Yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. Very simple. God is the potter. We are the clay. We are the work of the potter's hands. And you know what that tells me? We're handmade. We are handmade. And I love things that are handmade. My favorite Christmas gifts this past Christmas were the handmade ones. They're the ones that come home from school. I have a six and eight-year-old little boy. I love the things that they made me. In fact, I have a hope chest in my closet that is literally full of everything handmade. Why do we love handmade things? Well, it means somebody has put thought into it. Okay, guys, I'm going to give you a little tidbit. Okay, you can thank me later when you save your $8.99. But instead of going for Valentine's Day to the Hallmark section, have you looked at the prices of cards lately? I'm just like, that costs as much as the gift. Um, it just blows my mind. But there's this idea, you can go, and you instead of going there and spending $8.99, grab a piece of construction paper and write down your thoughts and hand that to her for Valentine's Day. Why? Because you put thought into it. Everything actually holds more value when thought is put into it. And that's the same way with the potter and the clay. He can't pick up a piece of clay and make something out of it, handmade, without putting thought into it. But let's go back to the very basics. Like, what is clay? Well, clay is dirt, right? What does Genesis 2-7 tell us about dirt? Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Dust is dirt. Dirt is clay. What did God do with that dirt? He breathed life into it. He is the potter. This is the clay. Right here at the very beginning, he is taking something out of the ground, and he is bringing it to life just as the potter does with the clay. And I find it interesting because clay, dirt, dust, it has no monetary value. I have around my backyard, there's what's supposed to be like flower beds, you know, it's got like the edging. It's not, it's a racetrack for my kids' cars, right? It's like that's how they go the little dirt bike thing with their bicycles. Someday I'll plant flowers in it once they're done running over everything. Um, but that holds no value. Like it's just a dirt area. In fact, when I had to buy dirt to fill my, my raised garden beds, it just about killed me. I was like, how much am I paying for dirt? Like, this is dirt. Like, I can get dirt anywhere. And I understand I need to buy certain nutrients and all that stuff. But to me and to everybody, dirt doesn't hold monetary value. Don't get your wife a bag of dirt for Valentine's Day. She's going to look at it and say, what is this worth? Nothing. But when dirt gets in the potter's hands, that's when its value becomes exponential. It can be worth thousands upon thousands of dollars when it's in the potter's hands. And one of the most prominent illustrations in the scriptures about the potter and the clay 
is in Jeremiah 18. And to give you a little backstory on Jeremiah, he was a prophet to Israel. Now, Jeremiah had a lot of prophets come before him. And they were prophets that said things that tickled people's ears. In other words, it was exactly what everybody wanted to hear. So when Jeremiah comes on the scene and he's actually got to say what God says, and it is unpopular opinion, the people are hating on Jeremiah and he is frustrated. In fact, frustration is probably an understatement about how Jeremiah felt. And that God has a lesson for Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 18 verses one through six, it says, the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me and I found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. Then the Lord gave me this message. O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to the clay? As the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hand. See, God is talking about the nation of Israel and he is looking at Jeremiah and he is saying, what is it to you if I want to give them chance after chance after chance after chance? I am the potter. I am in charge here. Now, I took ceramics in high school. I took four years of working with pottery. I would love to tell you that at the end of my four years, I was making masterpieces that belonged in a museum. But truthfully, I am an artist in here and not here. And anybody ever have that struggle? Like, I come up with great things, and then I try and draw it or do it, and I'm like, wow, my kids do better than that. You know, it's just really sad. Um, and so I did. I tried for four years to really make something beautiful and bless my mom's heart. Here I am, a senior in high school, 18 years old, and coming home with vases that like are like this, you know? And she's putting it up on her shelf like it's a piece of art. She was such a good mom. Because I look at that and I'm like, oh, that's so bad. Like, you're kindergartner, but you're 18-year-old. Um, but what I did learn, I didn't master pottery, but I did learn amazing lessons about working with clay that has made this Jeremiah lesson come to life in a new way for me and things that Jeremiah would have known because he would have understood how to work with clay. And so he would have understood some of these lessons and that's what we're kind of going to talk through a little bit today. I mean, I think all of us are here or tuning in online or at one of our other campuses because at some level we want God in our life, right? Like most of us aren't here going, I want nothing to do with God. Like we're here because at some level we want him to be our potter. But I think we kind of want more of like the ghost potter in the clay experience. You know that movie, right? We, humanity, we're going to be um, Demi Moore. And we're going to be sitting there and we're going to have our life in our hands, the clay. And we're going to be making something beautiful. And then God comes on the scene, we'll say, playing, uh, you know, Patrick Swayze, playing God. He's going to come behind us and he's going to wrap his hands around us. And we start making something beautiful together as us. We go, oh, oh put your hands right here or move your hands right here, God. Like, this is how I want you to do it. An unchained melody plays in the background, right? That is how it's supposed to be. But if we're going to take any lessons from the movie Ghost on the potter and the clay, it's that when four hands, when two sets of hands got on that piece of clay was the moment that it fell apart on the wheel. Who knew we had such God lessons out of the movie Ghost, right? But that comes down to the fact of there can only be one potter. There can only be one potter. It's either us or it's God. And he is the potter. He's, he's the one that goes and gets the clay out of the earth. Now, crazy thing is I, I can buy 
perfect clay from Amazon. But in biblical times, there was no Amazon. It's hard to believe what we did without it. But they had to go out of the ground and they had to literally get the dirt out of the soil. And then the potter would be tearing this apart and stretching it because they had to pick out all the leaves, all the twigs, all the pebbles. Because if that remained in this clay, it was never going to become what it needed to become. Do you hear that lesson right there? And after they were done getting everything out of it, they would put the clay into a ball, stretching it, kneading it, and then the potter wouldn't gently place it on the wheel, no. No, one thing I learned in pottery class that you get to take this thing and you get to whack it on the wheel. That sounds pleasant, doesn't it? Um, Because here's the deal. If there is an air bubble between the clay and the wheel, then as it starts stretching and growing and becoming what it's meant to be, if it doesn't have a secure connection, it will fly off and smack the wall. And I've done that before in pottery class. You have to have such a strong connection in order for this ball of clay to be what it's meant to be. It's not fun. And Jeremiah would have known some of these lessons that firmly we've got to be in God's hands. Firmly we have to be on that wheel as it goes round and round because there's this reality that when he, when God is Lord, that he is in charge. He is in charge. He gets to need it. He gets to throw it down because he's the one in charge. He's the one potter, not us, right? And I'll be honest, I like to sit at the potter's seat. Like, I like to be in control of my life. I want to be Demi Moore and go, Lord, this is where you put your hands. This is what you do. But it doesn't work that way, does it? He gets to be the potter. I think a lot of times we want to be in the potter's seat because we're like, we don't like what God's doing in the driver's seat, right? We think we can do better. But by me being in the, at the potter's wheel means I don't want him to exist. But just because I don't want him to exist doesn't mean he doesn't exist. Does that make sense? A lot of times we want to pretend like God's not there, but it doesn't mean he's not there. We want to pretend like eternity doesn't exist, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. About 16 years ago, um, I took a group of teenagers to England on a mission trip. My background is in outreach youth ministry. And at the time, even 16 years ago, England itself was dramatically decreasing within the Christian religion. And So I thought, let's go and take these teenagers and let's go serve the queues of Wimbledon because they're stuck there. They're waiting in line to get into these tennis matches. So let's just tell them about Jesus and bring them donuts and see what we can do. So we did this and uh, it was an amazing experience. Interesting thing about England, you have stunning churches on every corner. I mean, churches that just are picturesque, but they're empty or they're businesses because they don't have the people to fill them. Opposite here in America, we have what looks like a business as a church, right? But all of these beautiful buildings and nobody to fill them is heartbreaking. Well, a couple years later, they did a survey of Wales. Interesting enough, 59% said that they were Christian. That seems high, but it's dramatically lower of what it was a decade prior. That was 2011. In 2022, 11 years later, they did the exact same survey in Wales. And that 59% that declared themselves Christian went down to 46%. They had lost 13% in those 11 years. So the question remains, well, what did it switch to? Like, obviously, if you're no longer declaring yourself as a Christian, then what are you declaring yourself as? Well, that was part of the survey. And guess what box was marked for the 13%? The box marked no religion. 
In other words, we don't want to believe in God. We don't want to believe that Jesus is a son of God, but I am not willing to go see if there's something else. I just don't care. We call it apathy, right? Apathy is this idea of just not caring. I don't think it concerns me. And I'll be honest, we can forget about God all we want, but God doesn't forget about us. It's the goodness of God. But a lot of times we want to forget about him because we want to be the potter. We want to be the one in charge. I don't want something else that has to be in charge. I want to be the one in charge. Isaiah 29, 16 says, How foolish can you be? He is the potter, and he is certainly greater than you, the clay. Should the created thing say of the one who made it, he didn't make me. Does a jar ever say, the potter who made me is stupid? I read this verse and I went, oh, did they just seriously just call God stupid? And I was kind of like flabbergasted at this verse. And then the Lord kind of gave me, I don't know about you guys, he kind of gives me a little smacks every now and then. He's like, Nikki, you know those times that you think you're smarter than me? You know how smart you are? You're calling me stupid, okay? Like those are those moments where God's like, how many times do you do that? And you don't realize it because when I think I'm smarter than God, when I think I know more than God, that is what I am doing. And I look back at this and go, you know, I can't get to heaven's door and go, I just thought I was smarter. I just marked no religion because I thought I knew more. Or I just didn't care. It doesn't make it disappear. I'm still standing there before God. We have to be able to say, okay, you're the potter. I surrender. You have control over my life. But something happens when we're like, okay, you're the potter. Something happens in that moment. Because what does the potter do? (laughs) He grabs that clay and he starts sticking his fingers in and stretching it out. You see, God becomes, he goes from Lord, he goes to our Savior. God is Savior. Pastor Ron has talked about this a couple weeks ago. God is Savior. And when he is Savior in the analysis of the potter and the clay, he starts stretching us out and up. And you guys, I don't like the stretching. I don't know about you guys. Maybe somebody in here is like, I love it. I don't. It's uncomfortable. It's unpleasant. When, God, when we're in those unpleasant circumstances, but God is making us something new. In uh, third grade, I, I, was, I have three girls in my family, three sisters, and my parents sat all three of us girls down. It was the beginning of my third grade year, and they said, hey, things are going to be different in this house. We are opening up our home to foster boys, and you will now have foster brothers. And I thought, this is awesome. I have always wanted a brother. They are going to, we're going to play soccer together. We're going to play sports together. They're going to protect me at school. This is going to be so cool. It did not turn out that way (laughs) at all. We got these three boys. We went from three kids to six kids. And guess what? These boys were breaking into the neighbor's houses. They were stealing from convenience stores. They were chewing tobacco in their bedroom. They were yelling at my parents. And guess what? They required all my parents' attention. And I was the oldest of the three girls. And I got a lot of attention because I thought I kind of ran my house, you know, type A child. Um, And so my parents, all of a sudden, the attention went off of me and went to these three boys. Halfway through third grade, my mom got called in for a parent-teacher conference. And there, I don't know why I was there. Like, I look back and be like, why was I sitting in that parent-teacher conference? Like, nowadays, the kids aren't there. But I was sitting right there. And I remember my teacher looking right at my mom and said, Nikki was a... A student in second grade. She is failing third grade. She refuses to do her work. She sticks it in her desk. She won't take home homework. She won't do what I've asked her to do. 
And obviously, something has changed at home to make her dramatically change in this way. So you either need to change what you're doing at home, or Nikki will fail third grade. Well, my parents had a decision to make. It was that unpleasantness that I was going through. And they could have said, hey, you know what? We're going to stop the foster care because obviously this is hurting little Nikki. This is hurting her. My parents didn't make that decision. Instead, they pulled me out of school. My mom homeschooled me, which, by the way, was not what I wanted because she was breaking my will. Um, because, like I said, I was a very strong-willed child. It gave me all the attention I needed from my mom that I didn't want. Um, but at the same time, they did not stop doing foster care. It did not stop. They kept on doing it. And there's this idea that sometimes we kind of stray from the unpleasant. Oh, I don't want to hurt my kids. I don't want to scar them. But I look at that and go, if my parents would have stopped that, I would have missed an amazing stretching opportunity where God molded me and made me as I lived with these boys for years. And we got to love on them and we got to bring them to Jesus. Lives were transformed and I got to see it firsthand and I would have never got to experience that. Sometimes we stray real quick from the unpleasant, right? We're like, oh, I don't want to do that. I, I, my husband's teaching our little guy how to evangelize. And I, it, people are not kind. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 I don't want his heart to hurt. He's just, he's too precious. My husband's like, this is good for him. Let him learn what it means when somebody turns him down. It's okay because God's going to mold him. God's going to stretch him. We have to keep putting our kids even in uncomfortable situations. But then we get in that and we're getting the molding and we're getting the stretching. And some of us are like, oh, Lord, it's everybody else's fault. It's not mine, right? You ever been fired from a job over and over and over? And God's like, and you're like, it's everybody else's fault. Nobody likes me. And God's like, I'm trying to show you how to turn, you know, show up on time, right? Like, it's like these lessons that sometimes we can blame everybody else. Instead of going, Lord, I feel like you're really stretching me. What am I supposed to learn from this experience? How am I supposed to grow? That maybe not everything that happens to me is a result of everybody else's decisions, but some things you could be saying, I am molding you, I am stretching you, and you will never become who I want you to be if you don't go through this. And yeah, it's going to be painful. Lamentations 4.2 says, The precious sons of Zion, worth their weight in fine gold, how they are regarded as earthen pots, the work of the potter's hands. When God stretches us, he makes us into those earthen pots, but we are precious to him. And I love going back to that illustration in Jeremiah 18. Right when Jeremiah walked into that potter's house, what happened to that ball of clay as it was being stretched in and out in that moment? It fell apart in his hands. It just fell apart. And what I love about this illustration is, is the potter, it says right there, we read it, he picks up that ball of clay, he puts it back in a ball, and he throws it back on the wheel. It did not say, and the potter gathered up the ball of clay, and he exchanged it for a new one. No, he used the same ball of clay over and over. And I think that that says something. We are safe in God's hands through the stretching. You will not always stretch and be like, woo, that one was awesome. I went through that with flying colors. It does not exist that way, guys. You may be almost failing third grade. But you know what? God is with you through that stretching, and he will keep reusing you, and he will keep molding you into who you need to be. But something happens to the stretching. You become something purposeful. You become I don't know, maybe a pitcher. And the crazy thing about us is we have ceramics and we just put them on a shelf and we look at them and they're so pretty. 
But that wasn't like that in biblical times. Nothing was for pretty. Everything was for purpose. So this would not be to hold flowers like it does for me in my house. This would be filled with water and, you, and you'd be pouring things out. You see, God brings purpose in our life. But for some of us, we go, what's our purpose? Here it is, to let others see his glory. That's always going to be your purpose. Always. So many times people go, if I could just figure out my purpose. And I'm like, how can you bring God's glory into the world? It's simple. Just ask yourself that question. And whatever you can do, that will be part of your purpose. Now, I will tell you, you're filling your purpose with the Lord. But this doesn't go to this without going through the kiln, without going through the fire. Clay goes through a 2200 degree fire in order to become fully what it was intended to be. And I look at that and I'm like, why, Lord? If you are Lord and you are Savior and I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to be, why do I have to keep going through fires? (laughs) Because the fire strengthens. It fortifies. If the clay did not go through the fire, it could never hold and contain what it was supposed to do. It would never be strong enough to really fulfill its purpose. We will continually be put through the fire, won't we? I'd love to say that the moment you give your life to Jesus, it's like skipping through a valley of daisies, right? That's what we think. The reality of it's not like that at all. We still go through the same fire as everybody else goes, but guess what? We don't go through them alone. We don't go through them alone. And if anything is left in us, within pottery, if a twig, an air bubble, even as simple as an air bubble, if it's left out, guess what? When that thing goes to the fire, it cracks. But here's the crazy part about understanding clay. It still wasn't done. It could go through the fire and it could implode with everything left in it. And guess what? That potter is going to pick that up. And, he, and during this time, he's going to return it straight to the earth. So it gets its nutrients and pick it back up and throw it back on the wheel. It's never, ever done. Short plug. Marriage retreat. You guys, we look at purpose. And I look at this and I think, oh, did you know when you and your spouse, you become one, that you can have a joint purpose, that God can be stretching you out and up together as one? We only have a handful of spots left for this marriage retreat. I'm sure we're going to be sold out by the time the deadline meets next weekend. And I just want to encourage you guys. Maybe your marriage is great. We've seen marriages that have been on the brink of divorce, and we have literally seen them restored. But I've also seen marriages that are just great, And I have seen them find purpose as they start investing in other couples at the marriage retreat. I have seen tools that have been taken back that has helped them take it and they're starting small groups with other couples. They're restoring other marriages. I don't know where you're at, but I will tell you that strengthening and growing together is always something worth investing in because God has intention and purpose even for our marriages. As personal, personal, like a lot of us don't feel like this, right? A lot of us aren't like, I'm a beautiful vessel of the Lord. Life is perfect. I've never been cracked, never been dropped. Like I just, perfect ball of clay. I just pour into other people, right? If you see anybody like this that you think like, oh, they are like the perfect like clay, like the perfect specimen of just walking with the Lord. I can guarantee they may look like this, but they don't feel like this. Because we all see our weaknesses. We all see our failures. No, you guys, 
We all feel more like this. <coughs> we have been dropped. We have been broken. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. When I look at this vessel, it doesn't look like much. It doesn't look like it would have that much of a purpose. But cracked jars may not be evident in the light, but if you bring it into the darkness, you see, its purpose becomes perfectly clear. Its purpose is to bring God's glory into the darkness. And its imperfections become perfection. Because the treasure that's inside of it, the whole world can see. So I want to go back to that 2 Corinthians verse I just read you, but I want to read it to you in the message version. It says, If you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we're not much to look at, We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, he does in us. He lives. Friends, don't be ashamed of your cracks because God is going to use them for his glory. Give him your cracks and say, Lord, what do you want to do with this? Where can you shine out of these moments and allow him to fulfill them with purpose? I told you the scriptures, they may be complex, but they're not complicated. Let me show you the simplicity of the potter and the clay. In Matthew 27, do you remember Judas betrays Jesus? and he's given 30 pieces of silver. Well, Judas regrets his decision, and he goes before the chief priests, and he says, I have sinned. I have betrayed innocent blood. And the chief priests look right at him and say, what is that to us? That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money, those 30 pieces of silver, on the temple floor and left. The chief priest picked up the coins and said, it is against the law to put this into the treasury since it is blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That is why it is called today the field of blood. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah, the prophet, was fulfilled. They took the 30 pieces of silver, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field as the Lord commanded. Do you guys understand the simplicity of the scriptures? You see, Jesus' blood money, the money used 
to turn him in, the start of the whole thing, was used to buy the potter's field, the field outside the potter's house where the broken pottery would be put back in in order to be restored, where all of the clay was got. Basically, this is saying, hey, the discarded, the broken, I've got intention to make something new out of that, something with purpose, something with intention. This beautiful illustration of the potter and the clay simply comes down to that God is Lord. He is the potter. He's in charge. God is Savior. He doesn't want us to remain a ball of clay. He has things for us to do, which is God brings purpose. And purpose may not always look what we think it's going to look. Sometimes we look a little battered, and God says, but I got that. I can use that. And others will see my glory through your cracks in life. I don't know where you stand in life. Like, I'm not saying this is a linear progression. I'm not saying, like, you all of a sudden arrive, or let's say, like, we arrive at this. It doesn't quite work that way, does it? I'll be honest, I've loved the Lord, and I have served Him for 35 years. And there are times when I find myself trying to get back in the potter's wheel. There are seasons in life I find myself just mad at Him for the stretching. There are times when I'm, like, trying to hide my cracks and not let anybody see them. I am all over the place, and maybe you are too. But I hope today there is some lesson that you got out of this going, Lord, wherever you find yourself, I won't arrive. I won't be a beautiful piece of unbroken pottery until the day you have redeemed me at heaven's gates. And until then, until then, you are the potter. Until then, stretch me. And until then, I won't be ashamed of who you made me. I'm going to ask you how I can use it for your glory. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that there is safety in your hands. Thank you that you are the master potter. You do not mess up. Thank you, Lord, that in moments when I just fall apart on the wheel, you just pick me back up and you just start anew. Oh, your patience, your kindness, your goodness, Lord, may each of us find a way to show the world those characteristics of our God. That we can show the world that nobody is too broken for Jesus. We love you, God. Thank you for your blood that died for us so that we can always live with purpose and intention. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. We want to encourage you guys, if you need any prayer, we've got some prayer people up here. Otherwise, enjoy your Sunday. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our King, here is our